Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get social on Facebook.com slash WEEI and WEEI Sports on Instagram. Now more of OMF on EEI. So let me let me translate what's been going on right here. I'll help everybody out so we don't have to worry and, and, and guess anymore, right? Yep. The Celtics want Harrison Barnes. They think Harrison Barnes is the type of guy that can come in here and make a difference. All the fact of like, oh, wow, they're talking to Detroit. They're talking to Orlando. They're even talking to Sacramento. All this <laughs> is so eventually Sacramento will say, okay, what can we get done with Harrison Barnes? That is Brian Scalabrini Hope so. from a couple of weeks ago. And before we get to our guest, a warning out there. I just want to warn all of you bold high school ballers out there who think that you can beat a 43-year-old Brian <laughs> Scalabrini in a one-on-one game. The White Mamba will bury you, will school you, and we have video to prove it. Scal joins us right now on the Harbor One Hotline. Face to that kid. <laughs> Face How are to you, that Scal? Kid. I'm doing well. Um, you know, that's funny that that blew up because I do that like all the time. I mean, it's not that I don't know what made that particular day. Maybe because the fact that the kid was super cocky. Normally, yeah. a kid asks, hey, Scout, can we play one-on-one? I'm like, you sure you want this? And he's like, no, nah, I just want to see what it's like. That kid was <laughs> like, I'm going to beat you. Probably talk a little bit of smack. Like, you scared. And, and those are fighting words at that point. But I'm telling you, I've I play people all the time one-on-one. I'm what, always hooping. What I want to know is, did you actually take his sneakers? Nah, I wasn't going to do it. I told him in front of all of his friends. I said, I don't want your mommy and daddy calling me and mad that I took his sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought that, I thought that that insult was worse than actually taking the sneakers. Let's start with Harrison Barnes, because when you said that two weeks ago, you carry credibility. You're around this team, and suddenly ears perked up everywhere. Uh, do you still believe uh, that's uh, Harrison Barnes is in the picture here? I don't. I, you know what's the weirdest thing? If five years ago, when you would make, uh, you know, a, a team that wasn't going anywhere that had an aging veteran on their team, they would just they would love to get rid of a twenty million dollar contract. But the the landscape has really changed. Somehow, in these weird times, these bad teams are asking for the world. So I don't think that Harrison Barnes will be in the picture. I, it, it, it would be great. I, I, I thought at the time that he would be the perfect fit. He made the perfect amount of money for the, the Celtics to get him and slide into that, um, that uh, traded player exception and slide under the cap. And I thought that he would be a perfect fit for us. But
think they're asking. I think Sacramento is asking for uh, multiple first round picks, <laughs> and that's what they're asking. And they're and they're like because ten teams now are making the playoffs. Four teams are making the playing game. It doesn't look like teams that are going nowhere really are are out there um, looking to dump. You know, veteran players. Let me ask you, Scout. Can you say multiple first round picks? If you're the Celtics, I mean, you got so many young players on this team, anyways. If you get Harrison Barnes, I mean, you're afraid to give up a couple later, hopefully in the twenties, first round picks for him. So I think I think you're kind of looking at it like um, Harrison Barnes is better than these guys for first round pick. There's something called the rookie scale contract, and if you can land a first round pick, and that guy could perform for you. It really helps, like, balancing the cap. So when you look at the value of a first-round pick, you can't look at it like this player or this pick and what does he end up becoming. It ends up – I don't want to use this term because I don't want people to be bad at me, but it's like cheap labor in an NBA world. <laughs> if you have, a, if you have a, a, a guy on a rookie scale, if you have a Peyton Pritchard contributing 15 to 25 minutes a game and he's making a million five, that's huge. So that's why you don't necessarily just want to part on first-round picks because – those things could be really valuable moving forward. It could be valuable, you know, um, uh, balancing your cap sheet, staying under tax. Like, there's a lot of value in rookie-scale contracts. So I'd be all for swaps or I'd be all for, you know, uh, maybe one first-rounder and one player, not multiple first-rounders and a player. That seems like a lot when you're talking about a guy when he's already making 20-something million bucks. Yeah, you talked about, uh, you know, uh, Harrison Barnes coming in here and making a difference, like, right away. You know, but let's just assume you know that's what we're that's the definition we're going with is 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 that difference and uh, you know in uh, uh, you know an Eastern Conference Championship is that you know playing in the Eastern Conference Championship is that just you know making some noise in the playoffs? What does that look like to you? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know what? That's a that's a tough one. I don't know if it puts the Celtics over the hump. I know if the Celtics continue playing like they're playing right now, it's no one's. I mean, unless you're talking about Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard. Those guys will help you get over the hump, but they need to really like change the way that they're playing. Their style of play is not great right now. So Harrison Barnes or Aaron Gordon Busevich or or um, Fournier or any of these guys, they're not going to make a difference unless the Celtics start playing a lot better and they start really hanging their hat on the defensive end. You know, I, I know people love offense, but the reason the Celtics were good all those years is because defensively they got after it. I mean, they really competed. They had an identity. And they had multiple ways to beat you. Right now, I don't, I don't even feel like this team has much of an identity. I, I couldn't pinpoint one thing where I'm like, well, the Celtics are really good at this. And I, I, there's nothing I can fill in the blank. When you look at the makeup um, of this team and you look at the two stars, and they're all, what, 22, 23 years old, and then you look at Marcus Smart, who might be the leader of this team, just in the way he approaches the game every single day, is that an issue? That the top two players may be too passive in the in the team environment because usually your stars are the guys who really are the leaders on the team. Yeah. So so okay. Let me ask you this question then. This um, and I know that Marcus Smart is not a Chris Paul, but like Chris Paul is not the best player on the Phoenix Suns. But Good point. he is the leader. He is the leader on that team. But you know, I think each team it's a little bit different. Like I've had teams where like. Kevin Garnett was a phenomenal leader, and he cared about all of his teammates. Paul Pierce was a ruthless leader. Like, we're trying to win here. If you're, you either get on board or get out of my way. And each one worked. When I was in New Jersey, it was Jason Kidd. When I was in Chicago, to be honest with you, it was Tom Thibodeau. Like, he was the leader of the team. So, 
Like each each one is different. And I think I think the ideal scenario is your best player is the leader, the heart and soul, the guy who's laying it on the line every single night. I think that's ideal, but it doesn't mean you can't have some type of success different ways. Like let's go back to the Celtics when they were knocking on the door of the Eastern Conference Finals when the you know the the, the great Jason Tatum dunk over LeBron James. And let's let's go back to that team. If Kyrie was the best player and Gordon Hayward was the second best player, well, who was leading that team as they got all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals? A couple possessions away from the Finals. So I'm not sure who exactly the leader of that team was, but that team sort of it, it, it worked with that group. Let me ask you about Aaron Gordon and uh, even Fournier because their names are coming up an awful lot here today down in Orlando. Um, is that something that you would you would want to use? I know the TPE were kind of holding this thing to us, right? Using part of it, or do you want to hold on to it and maybe use it in the summertime? What's your approach with that? Yeah, so that's a that's a that's a uh, interesting question. There's two players that you talked about. I know Smart has been linked. I know there's picks that have been linked. I know the traded player section has been linked. In, in my in my opinion, if I'm looking at this team, I wouldn't mind holding on to the traded the traded player exception. If I, if I felt like there was a chance for the Celtics to get a championship caliber team in the off, uh, player in the offseason, right? So you're, I'm looking for a player that really moves the needle. I, I, don't, I, I like those two guys. I can't sit here with conviction and say, hey, you know what? Gordon and, and Fournier are going to put us over that hump. But I do know they're good players. And, and maybe they can come here. You know, we got Isaiah Thomas at the time. And I was like, I like Isaiah. He's a big-time six-man scorer off the bench. Well, the guy ended up being a top-five player in the MVP vote in, in, the, in a couple of years. So you never know how a player is going to perform when he comes here. But um, I, from my opinion, I don't know if those guys, all of a sudden they're going to come here and we're going to make a run and we're going to be better than Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, um, or even maybe even Miami, like the way that my, my Miami's been up and down. But even Miami at this point, like I'm still, I still think it's Jalen and Jason – I still think it's those guys having to take the responsibility and being the best players on the floor, being the leader out there, and all of a sudden get, like taking this team and getting them over the hump. That's what I. That's what I think needs to happen. I just don't know if that's going to happen this year. And I will say it. I said at the beginning of the year, and maybe I say it all throughout the year. It is not easy to be the man in the NBA. Like it crumbles people. Like even really great players. Like I'll throw Tracy McGrady out there. It was hard for him to be the man and win. It's not an easy thing to do. And um, I think that Jalen and Jason are, are finding that out. It's it's like it's tough. And only a, a a small group of guys, not in basketball and sports, can do it and maintain it for a, a long period of time. Oh, we're talking to Brian Scalabrini. Well, Scal, let me ask you then, because if you do wait to the summers, you know it kind of it can kind of go away. Does Danny lose leverage when you, when you talk about getting that star player? Is there is there someone in mind that all of a sudden just turns this this thing around in the summer? No, there's no one in mind right now. I don't. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think there's one guy that I'd be looking at and saying like, "Wow, this thing, um, this guy really makes a difference." But that's. That's assuming that the Celtics continue trending the same path they're trending right now. But as you guys know, in the NBA, like things change all the time. The Milwaukee Bucks, who, who the Celtics are playing tonight, and we have the games. If you guys want to tune in, we'll have it. Mm, but the Milwaukee Bucks, they started, you like that plug, they started the season out, and they were underwhelming. And they're, they look like one of the best teams in the NBA right now. The Miami Heat started underwhelming. They're trending. So, I, listen, there's nothing that I see that's going to make this thing turn around this year. But it doesn't mean that the internal guys can, can change this thing around. And to be honest with you, 
all they got to do is guard. They just got to guard guys better. They got to be better defensively. If they just guarded, they would have five more wins. So, it's, I mean, it's not a big change. Sometimes it's not trades or this and that. And sometimes it is. But they need to, if, if they're going to be good, if they're going to be trending towards banner 18 somewhere in the near future, they got to sit down on the defensive end and guard people. I brought up some stats in the game. 30th, 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 all in defense in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, that's when you win or lose games. That's when it's time to make it happen. And defensively, they're not making it happen right now. So, Scal, is, you know, and that's why, you know, midseason, uh, you know, team meetings, they work all the time. Can you give me an example <laughs> when, uh, of all your years, high school, college, pro, where a midseason team meeting actually worked and made a difference? I can't. I'm sorry. Isn't that easy? Yeah, right? I don't, I don't think they work. Yeah, isn't it kind of like work. a... I don't think that... I think, I think it's... Uh, I think it's simple. Like, like you got to... Like, five guys got to dig down and get a stop. Like, I really believe it's as simple as that. When a guy is wide open, you got to pass him the ball. Like, I, I don't... Is I don't that what you're going like over in your team meeting? Hey, guys, it's as simple as that? <laughs> no, nah, I don't say a word, man. I don't say a word. I just keep my mouth shut. Fly on the wall when I was in those meetings. But I don't, I, I, I don't think it's that. And I think, don't get me wrong, like, I think they can work for one or two games. You're talking about, like, real sustainable change. Sure. Yeah. I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's sustainable. Not at all. I just don't believe that. I think it's, I think it's about, like, just people just being – ultra competitive on every single possession and playing every possession the right way. Easy to say, hard to do. No team meeting is going to make guys play the possessions the right way every single game. Like you, you've got to make a full commitment and each individual player has to be fully committed to that. Yeah. So Scal, my thing on uh, team meetings is that it's basically a subconscious way of admitting that you're Dunsky for the year. That's that's what, you're done. Yeah, like like you're you, you nah. can't you no not that you're done. That the goals that you originally set for yourself are not attainable. You're mid season. You realize what you're up against. You realize what you have in your own room, and you realize that nobody's nobody's listening. Nobody's taking the coaching. Yeah, I don't. I just. I don't. I just don't. I don't. I don't know what they think is going to happen. I. I've been a part of so many team meetings. I just don't think it's sustainable. The best team meeting I've ever been a part of. Here's some insight. In 2010, somewhere along the line, we just all decided we didn't care about seeding. And whatever we do, we're just going to roll the dice. We don't care about health. And we, like, made a conscious decision all together. The team, the, the decision was going, like, it was kind of, the season was going kind of weird in the second half. And we were 500 team, and everyone was kind of panicking. We decided, like, we just got to be ready for the playoffs. Got to be ready for the playoffs. That was the only time the midseason team meeting worked, and we ended up going to the NBA Finals. But it wasn't like it wasn't like we got to make changes now, yeah. or else our season's going to be over. It was like we'll be ready for the playoffs. Everyone, get your mind right, get your bodies right. Let's make commitments to get ready for the playoffs, and we made a great run. Scal, you're talking awful lot about crunch time, and obviously this is where this team has uh, failed miserably. But what disturbs me even more so is first quarter. And first quarter after a game in which they did not play well. And you've talked an awful lot about that. Is that effort? Is that not defensive? Usually good teams come back in the first quarter of a next game after they played poorly in the previous game, and they give it everything. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Here's, I think this 
okay, you got to kind of look really closely at this, right? As the game is going on, and there's a lot of talk about ball movement, ball movement has got to share the ball, right? There's two types of sharing the ball. There's one type where you're just standing on the perimeter and you just pass the pass, right? And that, does, that actually doesn't work at all. Then there's that other type where you have the intensive score. You go head down. You know, you're going to go turn the corner and get to the rim. And then when a guy does come open, you find it. It's called right when you're making those rim reads. So it's like a big difference. I think the Celtics had a lot of games this year where they came out and they're just like, well, we got to pass because coach said we got to pass and, and we got to move the ball because everyone's saying we got to move the ball. But it's not, it's, it, that doesn't, that doesn't do anything. It's threatening passes where you're committing two to the ball and then you hit the open pass and then you create rotation and then you make an extra pass. And it's all for the intent of like, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to go hard to the basket. I'm going to play aggressive, but then I'm going to find guys. And you know, you can look at some of the great players, and like James Harden's doing it right now. LeBron's doing it. Some of the great players do that. They really get defenses shifted before they pass. And then there's some guys that just move the ball just to move it. And I can tell you, I was a guy that sometimes moved the ball to move just to move the ball, and it didn't. It doesn't work. So, Scout, you know, we were talking all year about kind of like a top-heavy team and, and just like that sixth, seventh, eighth man been like just rotating in and out, inconsistent young players. So with that in mind, do you think Danny has to do something, even if it's just veteran rotation, scores off the bench? Does he have to do something here by tomorrow? I mean, I don't think he has to. I, 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 think, I think Danny wants to. I think Danny probably has wanted to for a while. But I told you, this is a weird thing where – Teams that suck now believe they're, like, holding these coveted assets. And back, you know, five years ago, people were looking to dump guys. Like, I'm not, I'm not paying this guy $25 million for me to not make the playoffs. Nowadays, like, I don't know what happened. The world is, like, shifted. It's upside down. Maybe the pandemic. But all of a sudden now, like, teams that are going nowhere, teams that have no business holding on to veteran players that have no part of their future are all of a sudden holding on to these guys and hoping to get – First round picks for him, so I think I just think that the landscape in the NBA has changed. So when you say he has to do something, I don't think he has to sell the future just to do something. But I do think Danny is looking for a good deal out there, and every good deal uh, is usually you get a player, a player that maybe you can sign in the future, and then maybe after you sign that guy, you can always move that guy. That would be a good trade. That would be a good deal for a player. So, Scout, what, what do you make of these uh, – last one. Uh, what do you make of these uh, rumors about Tristan Thompson from that uh, podcast with Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor? Hell, maybe you haven't even heard it, but basically yeah. uh, the Cliff Notes version is there's talking about how Tristan Thompson is resented in the Celtics locker room for uh, ignoring COVID protocol, so much that Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker actually responded on Twitter in support of him. You, what are you hearing about that? What do you make of it? Yeah, I don't I – don't. When it comes to, like, locker room stuff and, hey, this guy's a good guy, this guy's a bad guy, I don't believe any of it, to be honest with you. I, I just been – I don't – because it's, it's just like anything. It's just like an opinion of certain players or it's an opinion of a coach about or other people deciding what they think everybody is doing. And if you hear it from one person, then that's a reflection of the locker room. So I, I, I love the fact that um, Kemba and Jalen came out and supported him, but I didn't – I don't really make anything – of any of that kind of stuff. I don't know what a, a bad locker room guy is. Uh, and I always had the players wanted to wait until I got to know a, a guy before I heard that. Like I heard Rasheed Wallace, uh, all these things about Rasheed Wallace. Rasheed Wallace is one of the best teammates I've ever had. He was the most empowering to other players around him. He wanted everyone to succeed. He wasn't, he wasn't all about himself. So it's like, I, I, I just know that it, you, 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 you got to get 
to me, it's about each individual player and, and how each individual player handles one particular guy. I don't think it's ever, uh, you know, across the board that we don't like this guy or just, or just sometimes it's just one or two guys that don't like somebody. All right, Scal, Scal, Mike Gorman tonight at 730 with the call on NBC Sports Boston against the Milwaukee Bucks, the next two against the Bucks. I take it Giannis is playing tonight, right? He is playing, right? I think so. Questionable, yeah. but I think he's going to go. So yeah. it'll, be, uh, it'll well, be a big challenge for the season. Well, they won by 30 without him, so <laughs> what the hell? You know, what <laughs> this <doesn't make? laughs> All right, Scal, we'll talk to you. Thank you very much. Thanks, we Scal. appreciate it. Okay, see you guys. All right, see Scal. you later, Scal. On the Harbor One Hotline in this hour of OMF, brought to you by the lawyers at Team Malone.